Trail Talk. I'm your host, Scott Minton. Today we are on the campus of Wilderness Trail, and we're sitting down with Mr. Uh, Shane Baker and Mr. Pat Heist, distillers here at uh, Wilderness Trail. How are we doing today, gentlemen? Great. Great. Wonderful. Great, great. All right. Good deal. So first of all, um, you know, I, I've been a big fan of Wilderness Trail, you know, for the last couple of years. been buying some of yours, especially the weeders and the high rye. Um, I'm probably more on the single barrel high rye side because I, I do like barrel strength stuff. So if you don't mind, t- tell us, you know, how did how did we get to here, and um, you know, why did you pick Danville as your as your area to to put up a distillery? Yeah, as we were kind of joking uh, before this, uh, it all started out with a rock band. Uh, a mutual friend of Pat and I's uh, introduced us. Uh, he was our drummer. I played the guitar, and, and Pat is a great singer. So we were in kind of a rock band. Uh, we were born and raised, uh, you know, right here in this area. So it made sense to have the band here. Uh, and then after very quickly, the band wasn't doing uh, all that it should do in terms of, you know, basically paying all the bills. Um, Pat and I kind of seen each other in that uh, kind of venture that we were entrepreneurs. Uh, we were both from science. You know, Pat's a Ph.D. in microbiology, and I'm a mechanical engineer. And uh, and we just kind of said, hey, we, we got to do something together. Um, and what can that be? We're in bourbon country, so it made sense. And then we looked and said, oops, we, we spent all of our money on band equipment. So we were just two broke family guys with big dreams. Uh, but we had a strong knowledge set in science. So uh, instead of the distillery first, we created Firm Solutions, uh, basically a biotech company that supports breweries, distilleries, fuel alcohol producers you know, around the world. And what that allowed us to do was to hone our expertise around the process but really get a budget. Uh, that's, that's where we got our fortitude to, to start the distillery. So six years later of that being a very successful business, uh, we started you know, cashing those paychecks into the distillery, and, uh, and the distillery was born, and it's just kind of taken on its life uh, ever since. That's really neat. I kind of read that and, you know, I know some people aren't necessarily always as familiar with the places that we go to and things like that. So to kind of dive a little bit more into that, you know, for folks that aren't, you know, as big of a wilderness trail fan as I am, could you tell us a little bit more about the product line? What, what, what's your favorite in the product line and then kind of go through that process? Yeah. Um, you know, we have two different bourbons and, you know, one thing about us is we never released anything that we didn't make and we never released anything that wasn't at least four years old. So, uh, we started off with uh, two different bourbons. We have a a weeded bourbon, 64% corn, 24% wheat, 12% malted barley. And then we have a high rye bourbon, which is that same recipe, but it's got 24% rye instead of 24% wheat. We also have a rye whiskey that's 56% rye, 33% corn, 11% malted barley. So those are the three mainstays of the distillery. And then uniquely, the bourbons are both bottled in bond. Um, so those are 100 proof. Uh, the single barrel bottled in bond is our weeder. And then we chose to do a small batch for the, the, the bottled in bond bourbon with rye. And so really the unique thing there was that we wanted to be able to kind of allow the same recipe, same yeast, same process of two whiskeys, same proof, same age, that you could, you know, kind of taste and see, you know, do you like a weeded bourbon or do you like a rye-based bourbon? Right. So between the two unique blends that you have for bourbon, so you actually have the weeder and then you have kind of that high rye, can you tell us what made you kind of deal with that? Like the, the increments are most identical, right? You know, 64, 24, 12. 
what made you decide to do that instead of what some of the other traditionalists maybe say a high rye bourbon is 30 percent or on the rye side things like that well uh, one uh, we're a strong believer in the small grains are where the flavor's at so if you look at our whiskeys they're 36 percent small grains you know so 12 percent malted barley and 24 percent rye or 24 percent wheat and so uh, a lot of times when you do hear of another 30%, you know, maybe a high rye, you're going to find the malt is below 10% on that. So we really kind of focus more on the flavor contrast in the small grains. And that's how we were able to have a 36% small grain whiskey, you know, 64% corn. Generally, most whiskeys you hear, you start hearing, we're in the 70s, 72, 74, 75 uh, and that's what really makes us different is we're not in the 70s club. We're in that very old traditional uh, mash bill that you would find in the 40s, 50s, 60s here in Kentucky. Gotcha. So you guys just hit a, a pretty major mile, milestone, I guess I would say, what, July 4th or July 5th, somewhere around that time frame, where you did your 100,000th barrel. Yes. Um, how has, you know, what's changed, I guess, in your all's spirit or um, from the first distillation to today and has there been any changes have you been just completely consistent through that and what do you see as far as the future i know that we kind of talked a little bit about off air about possibilities of new grains maybe that you may enter into as as the future for wilderness trail happens yeah i'll take the first half of that um you know really uh the only thing that has changed in our whiskeys today compared to where they were seven years ago um is our distillation side but uniquely, we still have that original pot steel. So we started off with a hybrid pot steel, which is basically starting in a pot steel and finishing in a hybrid uh, rectification column, j just like you would see on the top of a beer stripping column. And, but our grains um, and all of that are genetically the same. One of the unique advantages that we did, uh, and fortuitously, we're next to one of our, our farmers, Caverndale. They're a seed company. So they grow the seeds, you know, for other farmers to grow their varietals. And so we chose the particular varietal of corn and wheat uh, and rye that we would use. And so we're proud to say that the grains that are in our bins today are genetically those exact same grains that were in our bins seven years ago. So when you look at that, you look at our sweet mash process, you look at our uh, infusion mashing technique in our cooking process, when you look at our fermentation techniques in terms of how we, you know, rear the yeast and different things, all of that is exactly the same today, even though our process has gotten larger. Uh, so the biggest difference uh, is from pure pot steel distillations that would have been basically our first, you know, couple years. Then we switched over to column production. And so the bulk of our whiskey, you know, in the past five years has been made on our column production. And then when you look at the last three years, that's when we really expanded added our 36 inch column and that brought us up to 215 barrels per day yeah some other uh differences you know when we started the distillery we built a very small uh, traditional rick house 2200 barrels uh 22 25 i can't remember yep. which one it is but uh you know we now we have 10,000 barrel house we've got several 20,000 barrel houses and we're constructing a 24,000 barrel house and if you look at the way those are laid out you know some of them are you know, east to west uh, facing, some of them are north to south. You know, which side of the building gets the uh, morning sun, which side of the building gets the prevailing winds. So now that we have multiple rickhouses on site, 
you know, that's something else that's different. You know, before we only had one rick house, we only had one rick house. <laughs> so now we've got, you know, multiple structures where things are aging. You got the top floor, the bottom floor, the middle floor, the aisle, you know, the, the one that faces the windows. So there's a lot of that kind of difference that we have nowadays compared to before as well. And our whiskey is a lot older. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know, uh, in discussing earlier about uh, the columns that you use and, and how that changes, you mentioned that you found that the, the smaller column and the, and the, and the bigger column gives, has a distinct different flavor to it. Um, can you uh, expound upon that just a little bit so that uh, we understand why you think that one column gives a different flavor profile than another? Well, uniquely, um, as much as we all in the industry try to, you know, emulate every part of the process, you know, through an expansion and so on, there's, there's always nuances to something that just, you know, the, the laws of physics come into play, and there's a lot more going on than what we probably understand. So uh, even when we designed uh, with Vendome uh, all of the placement points, for example, where we capture temperatures and vapor points on our 36, those to the millimeter are in the same locations as our smaller steel. So that way, like I was pointing out, when you look at uh, the instrumentation of those two steels, they look identical. They, they're, they're showing the same temperatures. They're showing all of the same, the same dynamics, you know, of what we're making whiskey at. Uh, however, you know, you, you can also see we have an 18-inch column that runs around 10 gallons per minute. Then there's a 36-inch column, so double the size, but it runs 44 gallons a minute. So, you know, there's a lot more, you know, science going on. It doesn't just double. There's exponential, you know, factors coming into play. So when you look at that, uh, what we've broken down uh, just organoleptically, you know, we just you know, seem to have this bias, you know, back to our smaller steel. And so this is kind of just uniform, you know, again, the, the, the whiskeys are on top of each other. And if you're, you're not tasting them every day like we are, you, you, you just wouldn't be able to pick them out. But every day we're just like, this has got to be the little steel. Sure enough, it, it would be. So we, we've tore that apart, you know, a lot. One of the variables that we've come back to is that our little steel, again, probably just because of the physics uh, design nature, uses a little less steam per gallon of mash. And so when you look at all, you know, the inputs and outputs of what, you know, ultimately becomes making a whiskey, um, you know, that could be one of those variables that are just allowing, you know, it's a little bit more of that flavor to come through uh, versus being diluted down with a little more steam, you know, arguably. Uh, but we're still trying to pinpoint it. it it's, a, it's an interesting journey. Uh, yeah. And when Shane says little still, that still will produce 40 barrels a day. So it's uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it, it's not that yeah, little yeah. still. No, no. It'll crank out 10,000 barrels a year. Yeah. Um, our big still do 180 barrels a day. So yeah, big yeah. difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We call it our little still. H have you ever considered uh, putting, say, the, the Ryan one still and the, uh, the wheat in another? Or? We, we run... Uh, all mash bills through both steels all the time. Um, and so when and we look for those dynamics and, and a lot of times it just, you know, we're, we're also, um, even though we're this kind of cool bourbon facility, we're, we're, a, we're a factory, right? We're, we're a bourbon producer. So we're producing, you know, we've got, uh, you know, four or five different mash bills that we produce for ourselves. Um, what we shave off a little bit of our extra capacity, we do contract production for some other brands. And so we're, we're all the time running different things through the steels uh, and not necessarily dedicated. However, this year I was sharing with you guys, 
we kind of treated our production schedule a little differently. Uh, our wheats are our favorite bourbons. It seems like the market, it's one of our, you know, also our favorite uh, skews, if you will. So when we increased our production this year, uh, there was one thing that we as distillers fall into this trap to where when we find something that is coming out of the bottle like this, we get real skittish about making changes, even though we are really of the scientific nature of all about change, right? Innovation, we want to improve and want to do these things. And, and we've done this for years working with other people like, you know, why don't you make these changes? And they're like, no, we're not going to do that. And we're just beating our heads you know, against the wall. Fast forward to now, and we're like, no, 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 we're not going to change. We're not going to change either because we're trying to find, you know, that magic answer of why that is. So, again, coming back to the whiskeys we're enjoying right now, would have came off of that smaller steel. And so we're back to, okay, this year nobody's getting any barrels off of that, 100% of our production uh, from what we can make off of that. So 10,000 of our 30,000-plus barrels uh, that we produced this year for our own brand came off of that steel. Yeah. So um, expound a little bit more around the fact that you are doing all kinds of neat things here as far as, you know, and and you said that at one point you all did kind of have a shortfall on that wheat. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you ramp up production knowing that, like for those future things? Because I know one of the things we talked about was like, how do you get to a six-year product? How do you get to an eight-year product? How do you get to a 10-year product? And and I, and I think that's the one thing I love about bourbon the most. A, it's barrel strength. And then B, how much is the, like when you got a great product at four years, right? What's it going to taste like at six? Right, yeah. And then damn, what's it going to taste like, like at eight, eight or, or 10, 10 and 12? 10. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, to get to those numbers that, you know, some of the guys down the road might have, that, right. you know, because they've been in business for so long. And, right? we, know, and we know it's, it's good. We know right. it gets better, right? right. So, yeah. So how does, how does that mentality help or where do you go in that situation when you're trying to get to those numbers and how much do you set back in reserves? You know, it's, it's, it's actually an easy answer, uh, believe it or not. Uh, you know, somebody's always like, you know, they got these complicated algorithms and what type of software that they have, you know, predictive nature, where does the market. And what we've always done is we put back as many barrels as we could afford to put back. I mean, that was our strategy. Just like, how much money? Still got to run a business. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, okay, we got to do this. We have to pay taxes. And what's left over? Let's make barrels. And and we made 100% of that. And so, you know, looking back, could we have more barrels today if we had borrowed money or took on partners and divested? And the answer is yes. Uh, should we have done that? You know, we're sitting here looking at each other all the time like, wow, we could be you know, sitting on a lot more whiskey. But the reality is, you know, we're where we're at because that's the path we chose. Uh, we've been able to kind of pay our way, you know, slowly. And we're proud to say we're debt free here. Um, it might have took us longer to get to where we're at today, but we're, we're going to be here to stay. We're debt free, but extremely broke. Yeah, we're we're broke. I mean, because we we've paid. Are all entrepreneur, entrepreneurs broke? They're pretty much, you stay broke if you're an entrepreneur because you're always growing and you're always looking at things. But uh, but we're broke. Yeah. So we're coming up on my favorite time of year, fall. You know, yes. I, I love the fall. There's something about the crisp air and everything foggy else. Mornings. Yep, oh, foggy yeah. mornings, all that good stuff. I love it. So when I sit back and think about fall, I think about putting up the fire pit, lighting up a stogie pulling up a, a glass of bourbon and just kind of relaxing and talking with the guys or whoever and things like that. Can you tell me if I was to come hang out with you guys tonight, you know, on this nice cool night and we were sitting around the fireplace, what, what would you be drinking? And uh, what's your favorite? 
I'm, I'm enjoying our six year right now. I'm, I'm really biased to our products. When I go out, I, I do drink our, our products. I, I, I just love them. But I am drinking our six year. But I also, I have a bollet, uh, I'm sorry, a bollet, a bottle of uh, some six year Willet right now that I am really enjoying. Dr- Drew and team at Willet are our favorite people on the planet. Uh, we give a lot of credit to those guys. I don't even think we would be where we're at in the market if it wasn't for, for him and his um belief in us and, and kind of sharing things in industry but i'm but i'm enjoying some of their six-year rye right now it's phenomenal oh it's a great it's i love that six-year rye. love it yep yep i would have to agree with that on the willet um we drink quite a few different bourbons and other you know rye whiskeys and different things the the most recent bottle that i've opened that's not wilderness trail was actually a non-kentucky uh bourbon which is fry ranch out in nevada Hmm. It's Free. a really excellent. Uh, I, I I've always said Frey oh, Ranch, oh, but I think it's Frey. Oh, okay, um, it's I, one of the, I could be wrong, but uh, that's a great distillery out in Nevada. I've actually yeah, never that. tried their product. Yep, you have it to check is it good. out. It's really good. Just I've tried case. Smoke Wagon, <laughs> but they're just sourcing MGP stuff. So, but yep. it's it's crazy, yep. huh. super good. But anyway, that's the one. And I mean, we drink. Well, I've probably got. 25, 30 bottles open at my place right yeah. now. And Shane, I know he's got about 100 bottles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we usually try to enjoy. I, I, I love uh, just, you know, American whiskey and, and Kentucky bourbons. So uh, I think it's kind of like um, the unique thing of why there's so many distilleries, you know, very successful here is they offer something a little bit different. Uh, I mean, that, that's just kind of the key. So you can you can really, if you're, you're looking for one flavor profile, you can go to a wild turkey or a maker's mark and, and you can have something different and still be engaging. Yeah. And uh, it, it'll be the same profile, but but there's just enough difference. Just, just to enough it difference, that, yeah. That, that lets you know that you're drinking something different. Yeah, than you you're not eating the would. same ham sandwich exactly. for lunch every day, right? Yeah, right. Absolutely. So one of my favorite questions I like to ask guys, because I can tell you guys are bourbon drinkers. You all probably been drinking bourbon for a long, long time. (laughs) For several hours today, and it's (laughs) only Saturday morning. That's right. It's 5 o'clock somewhere, right? Absolutely. So are are we neat on the rocks or mixed? Always neat for me. Yeah. Neat. I mean, I'll... I'll, I do old fashions every now and then. I like a then. cocktail. Yeah. But um, I'm, I'm a neat drinker. About 99.9% neat. I, th- I think everybody in this room is probably that way. But, you know, to me, sometimes I, I want it a little chilled. And unfortunately, I don't have the non-ice chilled coolers at home yet. But, you know, I'll, if, I, if I do that, I have a, the ice maker in my refrigerator makes a very small ice cube. So one small ice cube goes into it probably a bit larger than that. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't get completely watered down. But, you know. Nine out of ten times, it's going to be neat. Got to have a small ice cube. I'll, it's uh, going to go into a Glen Cairn. I, I've That's usually right. got access to a lot of bottles, but uh, I keep when I want that, uh, I keep my bottle in the freezer. Uh, so I still don't add any ice to it, but I keep it in the freezer. Didn't you talk about that the other day? I did. You know, I, I've n- I've never done that. Oh, like, I man. mean, I, I, well, I, let me take that back. I've done it, but only whenever it's actually something that I'm not going to drink bourbon neat, and I'm going to make a cocktail with it, and right. I have to use, then I can use less ice, because I'm a barrel strength guy, yeah. like, yeah. That's I mean, me. you look through my collection, it's like, everything's 120, one, oh, yeah. I've well, got some hazmat 140 I'll, stuff. I'll, <laughs> I'll paint I'll paint a picture for you why I started putting that bottle in the freezer. You know, I'm down um, in Florida, or in the Bahamas on the beach, and uh, these folks are walking by, and, and he stops, and he comes back, and he's like, are you drinking bourbon? And I'm like, well, of course. And he was like, Okay, he just sits down beside me and like, you got another glass? I can't get nothing but a, a rum cocktail on this island. 
and um but it's enjoyable at 99 degrees when you're pulling it right out cold just just a just little r- chill oh, just a little man chill. it just goes down and, and and i don't like you know diluting it out so that's why i don't like adding that so it, it started working for me putting it in the freezer when i'm in hot climates i've, I've put vodka in a freezer but i've never put bourbon in a freezer I highly recommend it. It's dangerous uh, because it goes down like water. Uh, it just—it's like you know when you're mowing the yard and you come in to you know get a glass of water, get you a glass of cold bourbon. <laughs> You'll get back on the mower. <laughs> sure you will. <laughs> yeah. I can't say what your yard will look like, but uh, mine won't look very might, good. I might, got a zero might, turn. It'll you, be all over the you place. You might be over mowing your neighbor's yard. Like hey, I, that's, uh, I do that anyway. <laughs> that's why uh, George Jones took his. Uh, Riding mower to the store that time. Yeah, there you I think go. Too much That's bourbon right. out yeah. of the freezer. Moves just fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> a little faster than walking, I reckon. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, what do you guys think about this bourbon? You, I, you I think it's really yet? good. This um, is our high rye, and this is our uh, barrel pick room. So, we just happen to have uh, several examples back here of uh, this is, would have been a barrel that somebody picked. Yeah. So, this is our high rye bourbon at cask strength. Doesn't have the proof on the bottle, but I'm guessing. I know this these is were uh, both 116. 116. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, I really like this one. You can see, I, I obviously enjoyed <laughs> it. Um, You've got more. Yeah. Yep. All right, we'll Re-pour. drink more. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I, I tell you what. Um, the, and the funny thing is, so you're all high ride, and she was saying it when we were on the tour, and Jamie did a great job. So I, I absolutely big props. If you come out the wilderness trail, you need to ask for Jamie. She did a fantastic job on the tour. I always try to let people know that when anytime you, you go to these facilities, I, I think the tour guide makes a huge difference in, in your experience and how you enjoy things. And, Very knowledgeable. And Jamie did a fa- fantastic job. But uh, she mentioned, you know, the, the mint. And, like, I don't typically like my rye to have a lot of mint to it. Like, I like more of the spicier flavors, the cinnamons and the peppers and, you know, that those kind of notes. And I could smell the mint, but I can't taste it. And that was one of the things that I kind of appreciated about it. And she was like, well, I think you'll get some spearmint or something like that. And I'm like, I'm sniffing. I'm like, okay, I smell it. So now I'm scared I'm going to taste it, you know. It, it, it wasn't there. And that it was the, that was yeah. the rye whiskey, rye whiskey. Yeah, the rye, oh, straight yeah. rye, but it still wasn't yeah. even that minty. Like I even got some fruit notes off of your all's rye whiskey, which I, I don't drink a lot of your rye. I drink more of the high rye bourbon. You know, um, I, I'm I'm probably a little bit more peculiar about my straight rye whiskey than I am anything else on the bourbon um, circuit. So I was really you know pleasantly surprised by the the barrel strength one that I got here because uh, I think I'd had it once or twice before, but. It wasn't anything that I like. Ooh, I went and bought. I was just at a party where I'd tried it, and I was like I said, I'm gonna have to pick up a bottle of that. <laughs> well, uniquely with our rye whiskeys, you know, we um, we go into an extremely low barrel proof entry, so 105 proof we go into there, and uh, we also utilize those 18 month air dried barrels. So we're tapping into those wood sugars you know almost immediately so we do get a lot of a little more sweeter notes with our rise as opposed to some other rise and a little bit of that corn you know helps a little bit the too. Uh, uh the nose that, that i got on on the uh on the rye was was the mint that was there and i and like scott said i expected it to to follow on my palate and it really didn't right uh it got to it got to the back back of my mouth and there was a, a fruity characteristic there that i still can't put my uh my finger on uh, scott had mentioned uh, banana i think you yeah, said i almost got like almost a light banana flavor mm-hmm. to yeah, it yeah. and the finish on it was what i expected for a rye it was it was a long finish uh and and it stayed with you this one here that we're drinking the first thing i noticed on the nose was a lot of caramel yeah yeah, Lots this of is caramel. a little caramel bomb. Uh, but uh, this is a Kentucky hug, is what I like to call it. <laughs> um, and the uh, uh, the taste the taste on the palate is 
is almost to that caramel, but as it goes down, it's, it's, it's quite smooth. Right. And a lot of people don't realize, at least I didn't realize for a long time, that even at a high proof, which you expect to have a, uh, um, a strong finish, I find a lot of a lot of the high proofs have a lot smoother finish. Mm, yeah, a little more oily. A little oily does, yeah. doesn't give you that burn. I mean, it, right. you get it initially, but it just doesn't linger. Yeah, it just kind of leaves a little coating on. Yeah, a little coating on yeah. it. And uh, and some people would, would look at 116. I think that's what you said proof yeah. and say, "Oh my God, that's that's just that's I, just I, don't I don't want that." Yeah, right? exactly. And that's where we fool a lot of people with our rise. Um, and to to that same example, and uh, we even had a recently I got introduced to a a, a new person to whiskey first whiskey you know they've ever had so i was i was curious i'm like well you know, what'd you start with basil hayden's you know jim beam you know what, what'd you start with and they're like uh your uh, cast strength ride 118 proof and i was like oh how did that work out for you and they're like you know it, it just it just hit off immediately with them and so that doesn't normally happen with new people to whiskey no, not new people not no 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 so i was like you are a rare one so now it's all downhill <laughs> for, for you from here. And, and, and I've, I've come yeah. to, uh, to understand that because, right. you know, when I started drinking bourbons, well, I'm from, I'm from the Northeast. So bourbon wasn't popular up there. Whiskeys were, mm. scotches were. But when I got down here, you know, when in Rome, I started drinking bourbon. Mm. And I drink some of the, the low proofs. And, and, and I don't know what all the mash bills were. But as I got into higher proofs and different mash bills and, and different uh, flavor palettes, yeah. It's tough for me to go back. It is. It really is. Yeah. As, as it is right now, I don't. I don't normally drink anything that's that's much below a hundred proof. Right. Um, yeah. It's just. It's just. You know, more complex, more flavorful. Yeah. And, you know, it's just not diluted out. I mean, that's just kind of the truth. And that, and that is the truth. And if right. I want to dilute it up, I'll, as we talked before, I'll put ice in it. Yeah. But otherwise, I just assume just enjoy uh, what the. Uh, uh, the company decided was going to be they were going to put in their barrels and how and how they aged it and what it and what it came out of the barrel for yeah. that that to me uh, is an indication of how well the, the distiller is and uh, you know if if I like it great if I don't like it well you know it's it's a, it's a matter of taste right now you right. look at it. yeah exactly it's absolutely a matter of taste you said you were from the northeast I would have thought you were from Tennessee with that accent <laughs> well, I've, 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 I've been around here for uh, let's see uh, sixteen years. So That'll uh, do it. a little bit will rub off. That'll do it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> when I first got here, I, I relocated here from Connecticut. I'm originally from Massachusetts. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I took a lot of kidding. <laughs> now, the real question is, are you, do you go up to Louisville or Louisville a lot? Or Louisville. <laughs> <laughs> That's really? really the true test when you've converted <laughs> over is when you can say that word properly. <laughs> it's Louisville. Louisville. Yep. There you go. Louisville. It's Louisville. It Welcome Louisville. to the Kentucky. Welcome to Kentucky. So bourbon hunting season is right around the corner, right? I mean, all the big boys are releasing all all their big famous products and things like that. So I always like to ask my my, and you're not by any means with what you're making. You're not you're not a micro distiller anymore. But let's let's be honest, you're not producing the number they are either. Right? Um, what's exciting? What what are we going to look for on the shelves in you know October, November? Do you, are you going to have any special releases in the fall this year that? That you know our listeners need to go and be like oh wilderness trails coming out with a six-year blah 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 what's coming up for you guys several things uh actually we've gone of course our six years are starting to really populate out there 
There's actually going to be a couple of little scarce uh, six-year barrel picks, so I would be on the look at some of your favorite stores for those. Our barrel picks are always really big and, and kind of, you know, hits with a lot of people. Those are starting to kind of come into the holiday season. We're also getting ready to release a new line extension off of our rye whiskey, which is, a, uh, unfortunately, a little lower proof uh in terms of uh, where we're normally at like our ride today is a cast strength so we're going to offer a below a 100 proof uh, on like a settler select line and we're just calling it a more reachable it's going to you know be like a 38 dollar bottle of whiskey and then also we've got a couple milestone uh barrels that are coming up like you know our, our hundredth fermentation or our thousandth this and so on and so we're doing some kind of unique uh like barrel picks if you will for those and we're going to try to release those as some holiday releases. And then also, uh, kind of lastly, we've got some very small experimental whiskeys, uh, like we did a four grain, or we did some whiskeys in some like wavy stay barrels, and just you know, really kind of just cool stuff uh, off to the side that aren't enough to go to be you know like a, a line extension, but it's enough to be like a holiday show. So how do I get invited out to to, to get into that? Our that? family reserve program. We always tell people you know sign up, become a member of our family reserve, and then we notify that group of people first. Gotcha. And a lot of times you know we'll put that up in an auction within our family reserve and that group will get them before they even go to the market gotcha gotcha yes something else um that we're getting ready to come out with normally we offer our rye whiskey as single barrel barrel strength so we're getting ready to uh come out with a lower proof small batch version of our rye that's going to be more of a like a economical um purchase so every day was you sleeping over there that's what I, we were just talking about oh did you, <laughs> you your mic must have turned off well uh, <laughs> he was you know what if you really want somebody if, if you really that's want what people it does, to it's a uh, double pump there if you really want people to learn about things you, you repeat talk about it twice you repeat yeah. it i liked it i think pat was just like damn shane has been talking the whole time here man uh, <laughs> i was mesmerized by the uh, northeastern accent over here <laughs> oh no <laughs> So uh, one thing, and I meant to ask this a little bit earlier on. So how is this, like, single barrels are hot. I mean, I'd like, like it's the biggest thing in bourbon right now. I mean, everybody wants a single barrel. Everybody wants to pick their own their own batch and barrel and all that good stuff. How has that changed how you guys do things as far as di- distribution? How has it changed how you're distilling? Or, or I mean, you're, are you just running capacity constantly and it's not changed that much? I mean, no, I'll all. tell you one thing it changed. It changed how many barrels we had. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I think we were just talking earlier, you know, I think we had agreed to do like, let's say 300 barrel picks the first year we offered them. And then we were wondering how in the hell 900 barrels go missing. And it turns out that, you know, if you get a choice between six, a lot of people were like, I'll take all six of them. So it wasn't like it was one barrel was going each pick. So uh, that was kind of a little surprising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but really, you know, we're we're back to that same principle. We, we put back all we can afford. Uh, we try to, you know, aliquot, if you will, our production and say, you know, this is destined for ten year. This is destined for eight year. And then you get into that year, you know, where that whiskey's sitting there mature, and you got a demand, and you're trying to fill cases. And and what happens with us is, we've had too many times to dip into you know, that older reserve in order to meet current demand. And so we've ended up, you know, being sometimes just like what we didn't like about the industry of having to send out allocations or or a certain state we would launch without a product because we just didn't have the juice uh, at that time. So so all of that is starting to change for us, though, uh, in a good way because we're now starting to get into the deep, deep warehouses we've got with whiskey. And so hopefully Wilderness Trail will be, you know, a lot more known, uh, a lot more accessible 
uh, and a lot more older. Well, and, and, and looking at the facility and the campus here, the fact of, of what you have for, for brick houses now and, and the fact that almost every one of them are, are, are to capacity and you've got uh, 24,000 barrel one going up. Uh, and I think uh, you guys had mentioned there was another one you were thinking about putting up. We got across, 11 more going across 11 more going up. <laughs> I think you're, you're probably at a point now where you can, in fact, produce, put them in the rickhouses, and then, you know, make, make a, a rickhouse four years, and you've still got six or eight years sitting behind because you haven't touched them. So uh, that's an indication to me of how well you've managed your business, how well you've grown your business, um, in case any of our listeners don't know, you guys have only been around since, was it 2012, 2013? 2012. 2012. Yeah. So, you know, we're only talking about an eight-year uh, distillery, which, of course, I think Scott mentioned earlier, in this part of the country, that's not very old. Right. Not old at all. That's right. Uh, so the fact that you can get to a point in eight years to be able to take that reserve and not have to tap into it and be able to put it out there as a six-year, as an eight-year, and possibly a ten-year and beyond, um, that just tells me that that your production uh, capacity and the quality of the bourbons that you're putting out is enough to keep you in business for a long, long time. Yes, yeah. yeah, they're super smart rock stars. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, at the end of the day, we can always go back to the bad days. Well, we always realized, you know, either we were going to be successful in the uh, bourbon business, or we would at least have uh, unlimited <laughs> birthday and Christmas presents for every, everyone we ever knew. How, how could we get more people to come to the rock concerts? Free whiskey. That'll do it. <laughs> just just charge them a hundred dollars a ticket. That's it. Free whiskey. Free. All you can first drink one's free. And we're going to play. The first one's free. Then you got to buy it after that. <laughs> so uh w- one of the other big things and, and and i've actually become more of a fan of uh finished products you know i i was always a traditionalist by heart you know i've been drinking whiskey for over 20 years now and and i i've been a traditionalist but the, the more and more finished products are coming out you know and, and we're even getting special things where folks are aging it in an oak barrel you know for four or five years and then they're putting it in a toasted barrel for a set amount of time or maybe it's finished in a sherry cask or is anything like that coming in the near future for Wilderness Trace? Not in the the immediate future. We we talk about it a lot, and we highly respect some some people who are doing it now. Um, for example, you know, guys down in Tennessee, uh, the Nelson Greenbrier. I, I had one a super nice finished uh, bourbon from those guys recently, and so it, it excites you to see like when we want to go down that path. There there's some really good results that I think can come out of it. We're still, I think, very rooted in our traditional roots as well as trying to fill out, you know, kind of our just our current game plan. And, and, and usually when we see that, it's like we're, you know, we're running out of things to do, so we need to find something else. And, and we're too busy doing what we're trying to do. So I don't think we're, we're getting to that uh, finished, uh, finished barrel stage yet. Yeah, I almost have a personal phobia of, like, trying things that have been finished. Yeah. Because it's like, opens up a whole nother world. It was like, what was wrong with that whiskey you know, before you tried to finish it? Well, right? I mean, I, well, that and just the from an exploratory, you know, if you're going to get into finished stuff, I mean, it's, it's like opening a whole nother can of worms, you know. Um, we, we've got our weeded bourbon, our rye bourbon, our rye whiskey. And, you know, between four grain, four grain between the different proofs, uh, you know, we, we talked earlier about going from pot still to a column still. We just got so much going on. It's like I'm almost fearful of like even getting into, uh, you know, learning about uh, cask finishing. But but uniquely, I think that's kind of where we're at right now is is we're learning about it. You know, there's again, 
innovation is going on in the industry and and uh you know we're sitting on the sideline watching that learning you know trying to see if there's something we can apply from that and but currently there's there's nothing we're seeing that would would help us we think and and where we're at on our current journey something for the future something for Mm -hmm. the future absolutely so if people want to find you guys and they want to reach you we're going to cut this off here and uh Tell us how we can find you, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. What are your hours of operation? What's the address? If you want to just give us a rundown of how people get in touch with, you know, Pat and here and everything else, just uh, give us a rundown of that. Sure. We're, uh, of course, the easiest to find. We're on the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. Uh, so we're open uh, Tuesday through Saturday uh, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. on the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. And so we've got, you know, tours in the visitor center. You can find us on uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Pinterest, Instagram, and probably 99 other social media things. I'm and believe familiar. it or not, we actually have the uh, website KentuckyStraightBourbon.com. KentuckyStraightBourbon.com. Somebody was sleeping on the day that we I got guess. Uh, <laughs> that. That will lead you right back to Wilderness Trail. Yeah. There so, you go. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing like Kentucky straight bourbon. Yeah, but not in my, my my book, especially yeah. if you put .com after it'll yeah. take you straight to our yeah, website. If you just Google <laughs> Wilderness <laughs> Wilderness Trail, you'll you'll find us. Good deal, yeah, good deal. And we're here in uh, Danville, Kentucky, four zero nine five Lebanon Road, uh, right out in a very picturesque countryside in Bull County. Good deal. And if you want to find us on Bourbon Barrel Talk, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter. Um, don't forget to hit subscribe and like. Then um, you can pick us up. Um, there, but um, our Instagram handle is Bourbon Barrel Talk. Our Twitter is Bourbon Barrel T1. Um, I'm Scott. Um, I'm with Shane, Mr. Pat Heiss, and Dan. We are signing off. Thanks again. Uh, Bourbon Barrel Talk signing off. <laughs>